Chapter 5, The Gathering. Jean-Claude lay in bed with his wife, Gloria, reading the Bible. Eight hours earlier, he had given his life to Christ. Only now is he coming to understand a part of Gloria's life that she held dear for several years. She glows with happiness at how God answered her prayer of bringing her husband to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. You see, this is one of my favorite scriptures in the Bible, John 3.16. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. Well, that about sums it up, doesn't it? Keep reading. It gets even better. For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. It seems that we do have a very loving God, don't we? The Bible says that God is love. You know, now that I've become a Christian, I really want to know his Bible. I want to know everything about him. I just to think this morning, I wasn't even, um, what you call it, uh, saved? I've only been born again for three years now, and every time I read the Bible, I learn something new. It's like, even though I'm reading the same words sometimes, God shows me something brand new. Like the Holy Spirit is revealing something new every time. (laughs) Now, 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 slow down, Gloria. It's going to take me some time to get used to all the uh, uh, biblical terminologies that uh, you take for granted. I am excited to learn, though. It's still hard to believe what God did for us through his son, uh, Jesus. It is, isn't it? Well, we'll learn together. Now all three of us can go to church together. I've dreamed of this day for so long. I praise God that you've come to know him. You and me sitting in the same pew and Rachel going to children's church, all of us growing in the Lord together, just like God had in mind all along. I'm happy too. I feel more at ease about life, more at peace. I what was feel that? Like... Go, get Rachel and call the police. I think someone is in the house. How do you know? It could just be our bathroom mirror falling. You've been meaning to get those hinges fixed for months. It's not that. Can't you feel it? Feel what? Gloria, just do what I told you to do. Go. Jean-Claude picks up a baseball bat that he keeps next to his bed. Gloria scampers out of the room, now taking her husband's concerns seriously. I can't feel it. I can't even Elmer see it. There is something evil in this house. To his amazement, he sees red wisps of smoke coming from down the staircase. He doesn't know what to make of it. He wonders if a burglar could have started a fire, but he doesn't smell any smoke. Jean-Claude slowly makes his way down the staircase and begins to check every room. 
he notices the bathroom door is cracked open. As he swings it open, bat ready, he is startled to see his daughter, Rachel, picking up a broken mirror off the floor. Immediately, Jean-Claude relaxes. I'm sorry, Daddy. I broke it. <sighs> Rachel, what are you doing down here? You should be in bed. Uh, come, Daddy will take care of this in the morning. Gloria! Hearing his wife's scream gives him a jolt of adrenaline. Jean-Claude bolts out of the room, bounding up the stairs, leaving Rachel to wonder what's happening. Mommy! Jean-Claude wakes up in a cold sweat. He looks around, getting his bearings. It was only a dream, but it felt real. He remembers the events as if they were yesterday. Though he knows that reason is in the next room, he doesn't remember ever feeling as alone as he does right now. Kilroy, you took everything from me. You took everything from me. One of Harwin's tech operatives adjusts the feed to one of the six monitors in the Situation Room. Harwin stands, awaiting his turn to report to Global Headquarters on his current progress. Harwin reports. Jean-Claude has fled, but we know where he is headed. My operatives, who were monitoring his sister, told me that he has left for the United States. It seems the heat was a little too hot for him here in France. I've sent Kilroy on a search-and-destroy mission, while Jean-Claude tries to play a little hide-and-seek. Kilroy almost destroyed him on their last encounter. This time, Jean-Claude won't be so lucky. The view is quite majestic from the top floor of the abandoned air traffic control room. There is only one small building in the immediate vicinity. Besides that, only land, cornrows, and dotted trees as far as the eye can see. Reason and Jean-Claude sit in the control room chairs, lost in thought. Reason tightens his teeth from the pain that he still feels from the explosion when rescuing Susan. Susan pours coffee in a couple of wiped-down mugs that sit on a makeshift coffee table. How are you both feeling? I feel like I got eat by a Mack truck. I feel like I got hit by a Mack truck, a quarter pounder, and a side of fries. Big babies. You're not even bleeding. Eh, we're broken up on the inside. Susan forces a smile, trying to hide the guilt she feels, knowing that their injuries are due to her actions. Thanks for the coffee, Susan. Sure. Nice place you picked here, Jean-Claude. I don't know about you, but I feel at home here. Uh, My friend had a uh, map with all of the airfield locations in the United States... This one here used to be privately owned, but I believe that whoever owned it had a little um, side business going on. Drug trafficking? Oui. Why would you say that? Because of the underground plane anger. I've never seen one of them. I'm assuming that is where the big deals went down, loading and unloading. Wow. Only we could end up in a place where high crime used to take place. 
For some reason, that doesn't make me feel very safe. Well, it should. The underground hangar can't be seen from the air, and only a few people would even notice it from the ground. But to the untrained eyes, this old place looks like an abandoned uh, crop field, not an airfield. It's perfect for hiding my jet, and uh, good just in case we need to make a quick getaway. I feel like I'm parking my jet in a garage. It even came with his own garage door open air. <laughs> Honestly, I can't think of a better place to be. How about Hawaii? You got me there. Susan takes a seat next to Reason. Jean-Claude, it must be difficult for you being away from your family and all. Reason and I don't have family anymore. Everyone we were close to has passed on. Don't say that, Cher. I wouldn't want that train to continue with me. So how do you deal with it? What else am I going to do? If I go back, my daughter is dead for sure. And my sister, too. I just hope they're safe now. I'm sure you miss them. I had a dream about them again last night. About every few days, I have a dream of when he came and took her away from me. Kilroy? Why didn't he try to kill you then, when you were most vulnerable? I don't know. I've thought about that for some time. Maybe he didn't think I was a member of the opposition yet. Maybe they knew of a few potentials, but didn't know it was me exactly. Or maybe there are several others who had their wives abducted, uh, just in case they were the true Jean-Claude. I don't know. Maybe it just wasn't my time to meet him yet. Whatever the answer. Thinking about it drives me crazy. Let's talk about something else, if you don't mind. I'm sorry, Jean-Claude. I didn't mean to. It's okay. The thoughts are still a little tender, that's all. Actually, there is something that I wanted to talk about. This six-month vacation, I'm not so sure it's such a good idea. I think we need to gather sooner than that. As a matter of fact, I think we all need to get together as soon as possible. I've been thinking the same thing. I, I get a feeling of urgency that uh, we should all meet. Uh, together, we can share information. Uh, we can also protect each other. When we're together, we're much stronger. And I don't know how the others are doing out there. I've been seriously thinking of uh, trying to contact my link in uh, Australia... I think her name is um, Olivia. That might not be a bad idea. I think I'm going to try to contact Mariah and see how she's faring with assembling the others. I just feel like the time is shorter than we would hope. I feel that evil is coming, and coming in a hurry. Herrick sits at his communication console, participating in a meeting called by Shannara to all of the Dominion heads on a very secure channel. 
He watches as Shannara begins to speak. Brothers and sisters, the time is almost upon us. I'm sure you have all sensed it. The dark powers continue to grow stronger and stronger as we approach the witching hour. My mediums and diviners have revealed that the identity of the One will be known sometime within the next two weeks. By Halloween night, we will know him. If the powers are strong enough, we will even know his name and possibly even pinpoint his exact location. Finally, the unleashing. And now no one can stop it. Don't jump to conclusions, Herrick. We don't know for sure that this will be THE unleashing. This may only be a prelude. How can you say that, when all the signs point to this magnificent occasion? You've even said it yourself. The powers are stronger now than they've ever been. What does that tell you? It tells me that when the One is revealed, everything will change. He will take its rightful place, and we will be at his side. The unleashing will have begun. Everyone! This conversation is fruitless. Though I believe that Shannara is right, Herrick. We can't let our hopes and ambitions cloud the truth. We all know that this is a momentous occasion. However, my spirits have told me that this is only the beginning. That the unleashing is still to come. We will see. And if this is the unleashing, I'll be ready. Time will ultimately tell. I've called this meeting to take steps on locating the One as soon as possible. We already know his age and his approximate geographic location. His identity has been narrowed to less than 50 prospects. There are two specific individuals that stand out as being the most hopeful prospects. They both have virtually the same vital statistics. I believe that one of these two will be the one. I will begin dispatching our operatives to the general location. I suggest that you all do the same. When his identity is revealed, we will want to make sure that his welcome is fitting. Now, everyone listen carefully. The heightening of power has yielded one unexpected side effect. I believe, and my warlocks have concurred, that soon, maybe even tonight, there will be about an hour window when the dark powers will be so strong that we may be able to pinpoint the exact location of each of the opposition. My brothers and sisters, if this is true, today will be the day of reckoning. In the darkened air traffic control room, Susan turns up a kerosene lantern for light and a little bit of warmth. Jean-Claude is in the restroom. I wonder what it will be like to have all of us under one roof, all seven of the opposition meeting together. Doesn't that just give you chills? I'm looking forward to it. It will be like we have a whole new family, a new beginning for all of us. A beginning that I'm happy to share with you. Reason, what's going to happen? What will happen if this unleashing does occur and we can't stop it? I don't know, Susan. Let's just leave that up to God. We can only do what we've been asked to do. But don't worry about anything. I'll never let any harm come to you. And I'll be looking out after you as well. Reason, why do you think God chose me to be your helper? 
I guess God knew what I needed. And I'm finding every day that it is you that I need. Susan looks deep into Reason's eyes, ready to admit for the first time to herself that she really does love him. She senses that he feels the same. It has always been there, but only now is it so close to the surface. Susan puts her hand on his cheek. And it's you that I need. They move closer together, but before they can kiss, Jean-Claude enters the room. Anybody hungry? I could really go for some flapjacks about now. There's a small kitchen on the floor below with a real maple syrup. What? Am I interrupting something? Reason's cell phone rings. Hello? Reason, I've been able to contact some of the others. Fui Ling, my link, actually contacted me. But I'm beginning to think that we shouldn't wait six months to meet. Something tells me that we really need to meet sooner. Funny, we've been saying the same thing. Jean-Claude is thinking about searching for his link in Australia. So you felt it too? Something isn't quite right. I feel like some kind of evil is coming. And what's more, I haven't been able to find Manituke. Not a sign of him. I'm not sure if he ever came back this way, so keep your guard up. We should pick a meeting place for a gathering. We might want to meet here. We have a very safe place and spacious, too. Sit tight and I'll be contacting you soon. Wait. I think I'm in danger. I feel him. Manituke. Reason stands, listening helplessly on the phone, knowing that Mariah is in immediate danger. He looks around the room as his anxiety rises. Something's here, too. Jean-Claude reaches for his crossbow. Susan stands, worried and confused. Reason reaches for Gavagai. What's going on here? (gasps) Mariah! Jean-Claude drops to one Uh, knee in excruciating uh, pain. Uh, it's Olivia. She's being attacked. Uh. Before Reason can go to Jean-Claude's aid, the door bursts open. Agravain steps in with Kilroy right behind him. Knock, knock. Susan, get down! Uh. Let's do this. Agravain charges Reason, who throws over the makeshift table and extends his staff. Agravain comes down hard with his sword. Sparks fly as the blade meets titanium. Kilroy charges as Jean-Claude shoots one of his bolts. It sinks into Kilroy's gut, causing him to double over, but not slowing his momentum. His large body crashes into Jean-Claude, sending them both through a double-pane glass window as they slide down the side of the building and fall to the ground. They both land hard. Agravain continues to press Reason, who loses his footing due to the pain he feels from Jean-Claude's fall. Even still, he manages to feebly block Agravain's stroke. Agravain parries Gavagai wide and strikes Reason in the face with his fist. The blow sends Reason across the room and he loses his weapon. At this, Agravain bears down mercilessly, swinging at air as Reason dodges Catholic. One strike hits his mark, cutting a ribbon-sized wound on Reason's stomach. Agravain lunges, trying to gut Reason, but Reason moves just in time. With that miss, the sword sinks deep into the wall. 
down below, Jean-Claude massages his stinger from the fall. He rushes Kilroy, kicking him while he's down, first in the gut, then in the face. With a next kick, Kilroy grabs his leg and flips Jean-Claude to the ground. They both scamper to their feet. Jean-Claude tries to punch Kilroy, but Kilroy grabs his fist with one hand. Jean-Claude tries to strike with the other, but again, Kilroy catches it with his hand. Holding both of Jean-Claude's fists, Kilroy headbutts him, sending him to the ground. I know some things I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. In a tropical rainforest, deep in the bush of Australia, Olivia hurls her boomerang at the first, who ducks out of its reach. The first bull rushes Olivia. They both fall to the ground, but the first is on top of her, straddling her. Do you want to feel my steel, little lady? In the open plains of Africa, Carway snaps his whip toward Deuce, another Dominion champion. Deuce keeps his distance, waiting for an opportunity to close in. One whip strike nicks his cheek. Deuce wipes off the blood and tastes it. At the next whip strike, Deuce ducks, then spins in closer to his target. He grabs the flailing whip and pulls himself in closer. With one fluid motion, Deuce throws his sword. It sinks into the shoulder of Carway, who falls, letting go of his whip. Waves crash on the beach of South America as Manuel lands on the sand, beaten and out of breath. Kraken, a large Indian Dominion champion, towers over him. Reason leans against a bank of machines in the air traffic control center to balance himself. Agravain dislodges his weapon from the wall and begins to twirl it menacingly. Reason is visibly shaken, holding his shoulder, feeling the pain from Jean-Claude's 20-foot fall and the gash in his stomach that is trickling blood. He eyeballs his weapon, but it is out of reach. Susan sits huddled behind a bank of monitors, praying earnestly. God, help us. Help us all. We need your strength. Lord, help me. I need you. Now you die. Jean-Claude is having trouble staying out of Kilroy's reach as he cries out to God as well. God, help me. Uh, Lord, please deliver me from these circumstances. Rescue me and my friends from what is happening to us. Deep within Dominion headquarters, nestled in this private chamber, Herrick sits, legs crossed, in a trance-like state. His eyes are wide, but there are no pupils, only white, milky eyeballs. Victory is ours! The powers of the Dreadlord are stronger than I've ever felt them. Finish him now, Agravain. Finish him and our victory will be complete. Dominion champions around the globe continue to spar against members of the opposition in deadly combat. Olivia presses her adversary the first in Australia. Manuel is trying to simply survive the attacks of Kraken in South America. Deuce approaches Carway, his wounded prey in Africa. Deep in the Orient of Asia, Fui Lin runs from the destroyer. 
Manituk and Mariah fight blade versus blade in wild combat in eastern United States. And Jean-Claude, in a fit of confusion, tries to stay alive against Kilroy. As if in one voice, the opposition cry out to the only one who can save them, the one who has the power over death and the grave. God help us! Help Lord, us help all! Me. We need I your need strength! You. God help me! Reason holds his stomach as Agravain approaches him, placing his sword inches from Reason's neck. You were a fool to ever oppose the Dominion. Now it is my pleasure to see you die. You forgot one thing, Agravain. What's that? Greater is he who is in me than he who is in the world. Only words. Now feel my steel. Just as Agravain begins to lunge, the tip of Gavagai strikes the blade, sending it plunging into the wall right next to Reason's head. Clumsily, but effectively, Susan was able to wield Reason's weapon. Agravain backhands her, sending her flying in the air. She crashes to the floor, unmoving. Gavagai slides across the floor, retracting as it does, but it is closer to Reason now. Reason dive rolls, picking up Gavagai. Agravain aims his sword down, but not before Reason can block it, extending the weapon once again at the same time. Jean-Claude staggers in pain and fatigue, seeing his crossbow on the ground. The sighting on the bow has been shifted. Oh no. My weapon is damaged. Not as damaged as you're going to be. Time for you to die. Wrong. Time for me to run. Jean-Claude bolts off in the direction of his jet, which is hidden in the underground hangar. Come back here, you coward. Kilroy sheaths his weapon and starts the foot race. Jean-Claude pulls out what looks like a remote control from his vest. I just hope this thing still works. He pushes the button and smiles when he sees the metal trap door begin to open as if appearing out of nowhere. Oh, thank God. He pushes another button that stops it from opening any further and pushes it again to close. With all the energy left in him, Jean-Claude runs toward the opening before it closes, as if his life depended on it. If Jean-Claude makes it, it will be close. Kilroy knows he can't make it. His body is too big, and Jean-Claude had a head start. Kilroy stops and holds his weapon high. Clever, but not clever enough. Kilroy throws his sword. Jean-Claude dies for the opening and rolls under just before the metal door finishes closing. Sparks fly as the door catches Kilroy's sword, wedging it only inches from Jean-Claude's head. Susan begins to come too. Her vision is still a little blurry, but her ears are at full alert. Steel meets titanium as Agravain and Reason fight toe-to-toe. I'm going to break that stick in two. Then I'm going to break you in two. I can see you haven't learned anything since the last time I killed you. Muscles fatigue. Reason continues to block the advances of Agravain and the singing sword. Agravain swings fast and hard, almost decapitating Reason, but not before he ducks and gives Agravain a roundhouse kick to the face, sending him backwards. With a fist to the jaw and another kick to the knee, Agravain falls to the floor. Now this time, stay dead! Susan notices a red dot on Reason's back. It is the laser sighting of a sniper rifle. Reason, look out! Reason turns, giving Agravain enough time to regain his footing. 
Agravain charges, Reason moves, almost getting skewered by the large blade. A bullet breaks the glass window, but in the tussle, it misses Reason and hits Agravain in the shoulder, sending him to the floor. Susan, we gotta get out of here! Reason and Susan stay low as they run out the door. High on a hilltop, Dominion operative Sasha stands looking in the direction of the air traffic control room. A sniper operative is laying in position at her feet, looking through his scope. The barrel of his rifle is still smoking from the shot. Did we get him? I don't think so. Didn't Kane tell you that Reason's destiny is not to be killed by a bullet? That the only way he will die is by the steel of a blade? This is my op. We'll do it my way. Got that? Whatever you say, Sasha. Now give me those. The sniper gives Sasha a pair of binoculars from his vest. Through them, she can see that there is movement inside of the building. Agravain gets to his feet, holding his wounded shoulder. He approaches the window from where the bullet came. I told you, he was mine. Agravain looks down and watches Reason and Susan running toward the underground hangar. Then he leaves in pursuit. It wasn't easy, but Kilroy managed to pull his sword from being wedged in the hangar entrance. In frustration, he bangs on the big hangar doors that are recessed in the ground. Come on, Jean-Claude. Don't you want to come out and play? Jean-Claude sits in the cockpit of his jet, which is backed on an incline facing the door. He hastily flips switches. As he does, a red light blinks, indicating that he has missile lock. Elmed already. You want to play, Kilroy? I'll give you something to play with. Jean-Claude pushes the red button, wondering if he is far enough away to avoid the damage from the blowback. He sits, watching the streak of flame and smoke hit the door. The force of the blasted metal door sends Kilroy flying 30 feet, landing on his back, unmoving. What was that? My guess is that Jean-Claude is at it again. Come on, let's go. Sasha trains her binoculars in the direction of the explosion. Amongst the flames, she can see the tip of Jean-Claude's jet emerging from the ground. Not far away, she watches Reason and Susan running toward it. What? What do you see? You've done it this time. Herrick is going to have your head for this. I thought this was your op. You deal with the consequences, your highness. As they enter the jet, Reason secures the latch and nods for Jean-Claude to go. I think our position has been compromised. You think? Don't worry. With this baby, we don't need much of a runway. What happened to Kilroy? Let's just say that when he saw what this baby could do, he was uh, blown away. The sniper operative watches helplessly through his binoculars as John claudes jet takes to the air. Sasha is on the phone about 10 feet away with her back to him. I'm sorry, Herrick. They got away. It's also possible that Kilroy is dead. Sir, if my orders would have been followed to the letter, we would have succeeded. I ask that you do not hold me responsible for this failure until you hear my complete report. On hearing this, the sniper operative slowly trains his rifle at her back. The familiar red dot centers on its mark. Herrick's pupils are milky white. 
He looks as if he recently finished a divining session with a demonic realm. It takes about ten minutes for the effects to wear off. Don't worry. There's no need to worry. No one can stop the unleashing now. Not even reason in the opposition. Thank you for your understanding, sir. We will not fail you again. Sasha looks over her shoulder. The gun she is holding where the right hand crossed around her body is still smoking. He thought he had the drop on her, but it turns out she was one step ahead of him. She dropped him without even looking. She turns to see the dead operative, a bullet hole in his brain. She smiles, knowing she hasn't lost her edge. Or should I say, I will not fail you again. Anyway, it wasn't a total loss. It would seem that not all of the opposition succeeded. The African heat doesn't seem to affect Deuce, one of the Dominion champions. He strides up to his sword, which is impaled in the body of Carway. With no respect, he pulls out his blade, kicking the dead body as he does. Have a nice death, Carway. With no place to call home and no idea where to go next, Jean-Claude, Reason, and Susan glide above the clouds in Jean-Claude's private jet. Now what? Any ideas? Yeah, the time for the gathering is now. There's no time to wait. We have to find the rest of the opposition. I hope they're all okay. Are you okay? Nothing that I haven't felt from Ryan every now and again. But this Agravain, he can really pack a punch. You saved my life back there. You would have done the same for me. Aren't you the brave one? Praise God you're okay. I'm feeling alright too. Thanks for asking. Sorry, Jean Claude. You were great back there. You saved us all. I guess you were right about that place being an excellent location for a hideout. I hope we can find one just as good next time. Have you noticed something, Jean Claude? What? We're both not in much pain. Pain from our links with others in the opposition, I mean. I figure that can mean one of two things. Either they got away okay, or they didn't make it at all. Reason, Jean-Claude, and Susan sit in silence, pondering the fate of their comrades, some of which they have never met. They don't even seem to notice the light turbulence when hitting an air pocket, but they do notice the ringing of Reason's cell. Mariah? Reason. Reason. Mariah? Mariah, talk to me. Are you all right? I'm dying, Reason. I I managed to get away, but I lost a lot of blood. Give us your location. Mariah. Mariah! Rockport, Maine. I have an underground hide out there. Jean-Claude begins to plot new coordinates as he picks up speed. Come on, Jean-Claude. I think we're losing her. Time for another debriefing of the Dominion heads. Six warlocks and witches appear in Herrick's monitors. Shannara speaks. The last few days have been very productive. The opposition have been scattered. There's been at least one report of an elimination, and others that are almost as promising. 
though this is very good news, it pales in comparison to what I'm about to share with you now. After several days of searching and exhausting much of our resources and favors, I believe we have found the one. Preparations are currently underway for our long-awaited meeting. Make sure that you have some sacrifice to offer upon his arrival into the fold. Finally, the unleashing is here. It was challenging finding Mariah even after she'd given John claude the coordinates to her hideout. It is buried underneath a network of sewer tunnels where just above ground, dilapidated apartment complexes dot the projects. It has been an hour since they found her. Mariah lay on a bed, stable now, but with no doctor, her condition could turn suddenly. Susan sits, holding Mariah's hand in deep prayer. Reason hovers over her helplessly, trying to hold back his tears. Jean-Claude stands in the distance, watching the tragedy unfold. Sorry. You got the jump on me. Shh. Don't speak. Jean-Claude approaches and places his hand on Reason's shoulder. Reason turns and looks at him. Jean-Claude motions for them to speak privately, and they both walk off into a corner of the room where they can't be heard. Listen. I know he looks bad, but you have to have faith. It's worse than I could have imagined. We have to take her to a hospital. And compromise our lives and our position? I know you care for her, and I do too, but the goal is for us to stay alive. She saved my life. There's got to be something we can do to save hers. Maybe if we admit her under an assumed name... From what you told me, Dominion operatives are everywhere. You can bet they are at every hospital from coast to coast. And you can be sure that they are on high alert. If we bring her there, then we are signing our death warrants. Then what do you suggest? We just watch her die? God, we need your help now more than ever. The Bible talks about how you've healed people, how you've mended broken limbs, and even how you've raised people from the dead. You called us for your purpose, God, and now we're asking that you help us, that you heal Mariah. Mend her, Lord, like you did for others in your Bible. I know that you can do it right now if we just have faith. I believe, Lord, I have faith. Help us, God, in our time of need, please. In the name of Jesus, I pray these things. Amen. Susan's tears fall on the dirty sheet. Sensing another presence, she looks up and notices a figure in the doorway of the room. A beautiful Asian girl in her mid to late 20s leans on the doorframe. She looks as if she is in great pain. Who are you? The girl stumbles into the room, looking at the four as she does. 
Moving toward the bed, no one stops her. She almost falls but maintains her balance by grabbing hold of the bedpost. It is you. I... I have found you. She must be Mariah's link. Help her! Jean-Claude stands outside on the surface next to the entrance of the hideout. The wind picks up as he looks around, making sure that the area is clear. He notices the billowy clouds have a strange red hue seemingly emitting from them. What is going on with the clouds? They look much redder than normal. Jean-Claude makes his way back into the underground hideout and notices Reason and Susan listening intently to who they have learned is Fuilin, the newest addition to the small band of the opposition. She is working hard to mask her pain as she continues. I have been looking for Mariah for quite some time now. I could always seem to feel when she was in pain and see where she was and what was causing her pain. But I've never felt it as strong as I do now. I've been in the States for the past few days looking for her, but it seemed as though her location kept changing. She would never stay in one place very long, so it took me longer to find her than I would have liked. If I could have found her earlier, I may have been able to help her. Right now she is in much pain. Do you think there's anything we can do for her? Before all this began happening to me, I was a practicing nurse. And I'm sorry to say... But it doesn't look like she's going to pull through. She's lost too much blood. That, coupled with her internal bleeding and blunt force trauma to the head, even if she were to make it to a hospital, she would likely not live. I'm surprised she's still alive now. Susan walks over to Mariah once again and continues to pray silently over her. After hearing the diagnosis, Jean-Claude pulls away from the door and plants his back against the stone-cold wall. He struggles with the entire situation, lightly tapping his head against the wall in frustration. Reason continues to press Fuilin for answers. What about the champion who is after you? He is ruthless. A destroyer. That is what they call him. The destroyer. He doesn't care who he kills to get to me. He will destroy innocence if he thinks it will draw me out in the open. And he has on many occasions. The one that I face is named Agravain. I believe that they are immortal. I've killed him once, but he still lives. God has revealed to me that they are mortal. They can be killed. You have to burn the bodies, though. That way the Dominion can't summon more demons to resume their shell. If they are burned, their souls can never return. Susan shakes lightly as she prays over Mariah. Continuing to pour out her heart to the creator of the universe, she squeezes Mariah's hand a little harder than she knows she should. She knows that God can heal her and has determined in her heart that she will continue praying until there is a change in Mariah's condition, either good or bad. As Susan continues to release her appeal to our Heavenly Father, Mariah's eyes begin to flutter. At the movement of her hands, Susan breaks her prayer and looks at her. Right before her eyes, Mariah's wounds begin to heal. And because of her link to Mariah, Fui Lin feels the benefits as well. 
Aya! That's strange. I'm beginning to feel much better. Susan? Mariah? Hey, everyone, come quick! As the others rush to Mariah's bedside, she begins to sit up. Wait, hold on, Cher. I'm fine, really. Just a little stiff. How long have you all been standing here? A miracle. We've just witnessed a miracle. Absolutely amazing. Praise God. There's a song my wife used to sing a while ago. She would always sing it around the house. Little Rachel even began to sing it. It used to drive me crazy. Now, I know what it means. And it's one of the most beautiful songs in the world. It goes something like this. Praise God, from whom all blessings flow. Praise Him, all creatures here below. Praise Him above the heavenly hosts. Praise Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. Amen. 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 This calls for a celebration. Let's have a meal, a feast where we can all visit and get to know one another. It's time that we've had a bit of good news. We'll turn on some music and have a great time. We might even forget that our lives are being hunted. Shh. I hear something. I hear it too. Engines. We'll go check it out. Mariah, you stay here. Don't presume to tell me what to do. Mariah reaches for her sword. Cautiously, Mariah, Fui Lin, Reason, and Jean-Claude approach the exit. They see three people talking next to two vehicles. Two of them are armed, standing in a defensive posture. This Olivia! Are you sure? Of course, I'm sure. Jean-Claude emerges with Reason by his side. Olivia! Everyone, come inside. Pack your vehicles out in the brush on the east side. It's great to finally meet you. The night seems to come earlier and earlier. It is dark now and few people are out. A man takes a shortcut down an alley. His feet splash on the damp pavement. Pulling his trench coat up by his ears, he pauses, startled. Hello? Is there anyone down here? I'm armed. Some shortcut. Walking more slowly and cautiously now, the man continues down the alley. Behind him, Sylvia, one of the Dominion witches, descends from the sky, floating on a cushion of air as it cradles her softly to the ground. The man stops when he hears her land behind him. He slowly turns around, but he isn't surprised. He turns back toward where he was headed and sees Herrick standing in front of him. We've been looking for you, your majesty. The man, identified only recently by the Dominion as Vincent Stiles, smiles. He looks around and notices in the shadowy recesses the wispy faces of demonic beings and hooded figures that seem to appear out of nowhere. Finally, 
I'm home. Spearheaded by Susan, the arrangement of desks, boxes, and wooden planks create a large makeshift dinner table. Several of Mariah's reserve rations have been prepared in celebration of the gathering. As everyone is seated at the table, Fui Lin watches a young Asian boy of about 11 years old hiding behind the door. Stephen, come here. Don't be shy. You can sit at the table with us. I thank God for all of you who are here. I've asked reason to leave this meeting. I consider him my close friend. Who am I kidding? I consider him family, close family. Just as I consider all of you my family, in the family of God. Reason? I consider it an honor to be in the presence of all of you. As you probably have guessed, we have a long, treacherous road ahead of us. It won't be easy. Some of us may die. But there's one thing I can tell you. God will be with us. We will work as one, as a family. Many of us have lost family within the last two or three weeks. We find ourselves alone, heartbroken, without a home, or a life as many would consider a life. But we have each other. We have the light of the Lord to guide our steps, and I know we will prevail. We will take these next few days to get to know one another, to share knowledge about the Dominion Empire, and to talk about the unleashing. We must all be prepared for what God has in store for us. We have to be aware of each other's strengths and weaknesses. We have to build trust in a very short amount of time. I know that's asking a lot, but I believe that God will make it happen. I think we can start off by going around the table and saying your name, what you used to do before you were drafted as a member of the opposition, and what special contributions you can add to the group. In other words, what your strengths are. I'll start. My name is Reason Being. I used to be an insurance salesman, but God delivered me from that. <laughs> After I became a member of the opposition, God sent me Susan. She's my helper. I didn't know what her role would be at first, but I found that she is a prayer warrior. Over the last few weeks, we have grown close together and on occasion have saved each other's lives. The warlock who pursues me is Herrick, along with his champion, Agravain. I use a staff as a weapon, and I'm an 8th degree black belt, which as of late has really come in handy. My name is Jean-Claude Lafitte. I lost my wife shortly after I became a member of the opposition. Before that, I was a military pilot. In the armed forces, I learned hand-to-hand combat training, and I was a sniper for a few years. But my favorite um, toy was explosives. I was at the top of my class, and I'm happy to say that I still use explosives to this day. I have a jet, and I use a very special crossbow, which on occasion I fashion um, explosive tip arrows. I've been running away from Kilroy for the last few weeks, who seems to be the uh, lapdog of Erwin, a really powerful warlock. I seem to have made his uh, B-list. I'm Mariah Trembley. Lost my family a few years ago. 
I used to be a private investigator. A bounty hunter would be closer to the truth. I also became very proficient in the use of the sword at a young age. Now I have Merce, my sword, that I carry everywhere with me. I also have a Ferrari, which for the use of this group doesn't seem to be very inconspicuous. Manatuk is the champion whose sword has my name on it. His boss is Sylvia, a very pretty but deadly witch. That's about it. I'm Fuilin Chang. I used to be a nurse. When defending myself against Harwick's champion named the Destroyer, I used special throwing stars. I also travel with my helper, Stephen Lai, a young boy I've known for a few years. It's a long story how I've come to be in charge of him, but he's been a very big help for me emotionally. He doesn't talk, but he's a good boy. I know gymnastics, which I incorporate a lot when practicing a range of martial arts. I ride a Japanese Viper, a very rare motorcycle, and I'm honored to be a part of this group. My name is Manuel Fuentes. For several years, I was in the Colombian CIA. In training and to become an agent, I was heavy into boxing, and I focused on becoming a weapons specialist. I used to do a lot of suspect profiling as well. I met my helper, Trevor Decker, formerly of the FBI, during a drug sting operation where an international drug lord had been smuggling drugs into the United States. Ever since we've worked close together. Now God has us fighting against Kraken, who works underneath Shannara, a Dominion witch. My primary weapon is a sling, like David and Goliath. We both bounce around in a red Chevy 4x4. Nice to meet all of you. I'm Olivia George from Australia. I'm not much of a talker, so I'll keep it short. I've been into animal training of all sorts. I know almost anything you'd want to know about them, especially those from Australia. But my special contribution, you might say, is my knowledge of special pressure points on a person. Some pressure points can render a man unconscious. I'm a very outdoors type of person, but I still can't seem to hide well from the first, who's a champion after me. Hammoth is his warlock. I use a boomerang for a weapon. I find they can really come in handy. And I also speak for Carway Young, another one of the opposition who'd recently died fighting Deuce and his warlock, Hayden. It was strange. All of a sudden, I couldn't feel him anymore. I felt really empty. I would like to salute Carway. He is a true martyr. He died for the cause. Olivia lifts her glass in his honor. All of the others follow suit, then take a sip. Reason notices an empty seat that Susan placed next to Olivia. He is just now realizing that she did it in honor of Carway. And don't forget Deuce and Hayden are still out there. Not to mention all the operatives they have working around the clock. That's why we have to stick together. We have to watch each other's back. Welcome everyone to this gathering. I hope you like the food. It'll probably be the best meal you've had in some time. Mariah, can you pray over the food? Let's all join hands and pray. Heavenly Father, you have been so faithful to us. You have brought us together through your master plan. You have been with us through dangers and toils. Even when we didn't know you, you were there. And when we found you, you didn't leave our side. Thank you for everyone at this table, as well as our fallen comrade Carway, whom we've left a seat open in his remembrance. Continue to watch over us, Lord. Bind us together and help us to share what we know of you, to study your word together, and to do your will as one. We ask you to bless this food as you have blessed us this day. We thank you for the miracle of bringing us all together and the miracle of my healing. 
In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Let's eat. As everyone begins to enjoy the meal, no one but Stephen notices a TV screen in the other room. It is on, set to an international news feed. A Chinese reporter points at the unusually red sky as she delivers her report. 